Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, today, we have quite a few people we want to talk with, people who are doing some big things in Martin Luther King Jr. County and outside of the county as well. Also, we're going to talk to recording artist Eugenie Jones later on in the program. But I want to start with uh, Tanisha Lyons, who is executive director of the Federal Way Black Collective. And they're doing some positive things out there. They're also hooked up with the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. So, Ms. Tanisha, why don't you start out by giving you a couple of minutes wrap about yourself so our listeners will know exactly who you are. Well, at least they'll know something about you, not all, everything, but a couple of minutes is not very much time. Go ahead. Yes, um, thank you for this opportunity, but I do want to clear up that we are not connected to the Tacoma Black Collective. We're actually a separate entity. Um, we're a nonprofit um, based out of the city of Federal Way, where we service um, the community of Federal Way with whatever needs that they may have. Um, a little bit about me, um, I am a public administrator, policy analyst by heart, and um, community activism and community engagement is my heart work. Um, and um, it's just something that I love to do. Um, I've been with the collective now since September of 2022, and we are restructuring and reorganizing and rebranding and just doing some really great great work out in the community. And so, um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here. What are your, what are the priorities? I read uh, some of your bio and some of the admission statement for the federal way. Uh, and I guess I, uh, because of James Caroma, I guess he's involved with uh, the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. That's why I, I bought that connection <laughs> in because I, that's where I know him from Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. So I apologize for not distinguishing you, but why don't you uh, share with our listeners uh, some of the challenges that uh, the Black community is having in federal way and some of the programs and things that you are advocating for and uh, for positive change? Well, one of the main things is, um, as we all know, that there are many disparities throughout the different um, systems within, um, well, I can't just say federal way, but the United States. And so our focus um, in federal way is making sure that we're addressing those systemic um, disparities and doing our part to make sure that we are um, ensuring that the black collect that the black collective the black community can be economically sound, that we are um, helping people become homeowners, and trying to close the wealth gap, but also making sure that we're addressing the needs of the community. And so, um, a lot of what we do is, um, for instance, we provide uh, mental health counseling to. Um, students within the uh, Federal Way public school system. And we use we do that through our program, betterhelp.com. And so the idea is, is that we can reduce um, school bullying, school um, shootings, and um, teen suicide by ensuring that uh, youth have access to mental health services at their fingertips within their pockets. Um, the other thing that we um, do is we provide um, rental assistance to those who are, um, well, we did, we um, provided rental assistance to those who um, had some financial hardships. We wanted to make sure that it was not just income-based because we do understand that, um, you know, a lot of people live from paycheck to paycheck. And so one missing one or two um, paychecks can have a great impact on one's household and is what leads to um, those becoming houseless. And so we wanted to make sure that we were addressing that need by providing um, 
those services. And so we had 37 families that we were able to save within, really within two months um, of our funding being available um, from homelessness. And so um, that's another area where we are um, providing our services to the community. And so um, we also understand that um, small businesses, especially um, Black small businesses, um, do not get the help and the fundings that the funding that they need to be able to thrive um, and be successful businesses. And so we have a small business program um, that's designed to be the hub that supports um, our small our black small businesses within um, federal way. And so um, the aim is to keep you know companies thriving. Um, we provide education. Um, we had a micro grant that where we were offering um, that grant is now closed. Um, but we have up to 30 um, small businesses, minority small businesses that we are um, providing some kind of um, subscription services to, to make sure that their businesses are thriving, but that we're also um, being able to answer questions and um, provide referrals. Um, one of the things that I noticed um, with working with small businesses is that oftentimes small businesses will have the SOS um, through the state, which is their, um, through the Secretary of State, um, they will be filed, excuse me, with the Secretary of State, but then they won't um, file within their cities. And so they're, they're um, ineligible at that point for um, funding through their city. And so we're trying to make sure that the businesses have what they need to, um, first of all, to be operating um, legally, but then to be also setting themselves up to be able to receive funding and to be able to go off, go after some of these bids that are um, offered um, nationally or, you know, through the state or the city. Well, it's a diff very difficult situation when you've been in a state where there's been no affirmative action for 23 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of uh, family-owned businesses uh, didn't get passed on by generation to generation because of the lack of opportunity. And then also a number of uh, the Black-owned businesses in construction and other service-related industries, uh, they're going more to the private sector because they said, why should I invest all my money and wait for another person to choose me to, to do some work that I know how to do? But why don't you just give our listeners an idea on the population of Federal Way and the, uh, the Black population of Federal Way? So the black population of Federal Way, I believe, is up to is up to fourteen percent. I'm not exactly sure of the um, demographics of the city of Federal Way offhand, um, but what I can tell you is that as the collective, we are there. We are, you know, making sure that we are providing the services that are needed and that are necessary to make sure that we're functioning um, as a whole holistically. And uh, if you had if you had to tout some successes in terms of what uh, the federal way black electors and neighbors accomplished, what would that be? Oh, there's there's quite a few actually. Um, one of them is being able to get into the school system to provide mental health services to our youth. I am so proud of that program. Mm -hmm. The other is is that we are able to work with um, daycares where we provide. Um, ASQ screenings um, where we are able to look for developmental disabilities early on because we know that um, children who go undiagnosed with early de developmental disabilities end up um, usually um, justice involved at a very early age. 
And so we are doing our part to make sure that we stop and eliminate the school to prison pipeline. Um, another success is making sure that um, we're able to offer now mental health services to um, not just children, but to adults, um, to residents in the city of Federal Way. And so um, we have been working to make sure that we address the needs of the community holistically. Now, uh, that in terms of that counseling and interventions in schools, is that mm -hmm. program funded by the state or the city? Who, who um, those programs are funded by both the state and the city. Okay. And you said the black uh, population is 14%. I guess I have to look up and see what mm -hmm. the total population is. But I noticed that uh, the past two elections that Federal Way has elected black state representatives to uh, mm -hmm. the House of Representatives. So, uh, and uh, I guess uh, the current mayor is the same gentleman that ran for uh, Kane County Prosecutor? Mm-hmm. Okay. And what yes. is the relationship uh, with the black community and the mayor been? How's that relationship been? Um, we're still working on it. Um, I believe that the mayor wants to do the right thing uh, with the black population. And so I'm, I'm hopeful that the relationship will be strengthened as I'm, you know, the executive director um, of the collective moving forward, you know? Um, so we're hopeful. Okay. Now, I, people hearing this broadcast, and I want to let you know that an hour or so, and I have to check with Eric to be sure about this, about an hour or so after the live broadcast, it will be available on Alexa and my podcast 24-7. And then programs are archived on my website, uh, urbanformnw.com for a year. So uh, you can check yourself out next year this time, okay. <laughs> Memorial Day or something. So uh, what is the contact information for the Federal Way Black, uh, Black uh, Collective? Um, the contact information is info at fwblackcollective.com. Um, and then you can um, also reach out to me directly, tanisha.lyons at fwblackcollective.com. And so um, we also, there's ways to engage with us. We have a community meeting every second Thursday of the month at seven o'clock PM. And those links can be found on our Facebook page, FW Black Collective, or on our website at fwblackcollective.com. And then also we have some events that we're gonna be hosting in the community. Um, one I am so excited about this Sunday, June 11th, um, from 1 to 5 p.m. at the Federal uh, Way Town Square Park, um, we are going to be hosting a cookout. And so the cookout is designed to be like a family reunion. You know, we want to welcome people home and welcome people to the Federal Way Black Collective. And so we're going to be having some domino competitions, some spades competitions, um, good food, some games and activities for the kids, and some giveaways. All right. Well, Ms. Tanisha Lyons, with the, uh, Executive Director of the Federal Way Black Collective, thank you very much for the contributions you and the organization are making to help uplift the Black community in Federal Way. So thank you very much. And thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. My next guest is a sister that works equally as hard, and her name is Teresa Everett, and she's with the Atlantic Street Center, uh, and that organization has been around for 113 years. I can remember the old days with Ike Ikeda, who was a former executive director. So, Teresa, why don't you I'll start off by letting our folks know a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go ahead and move to uh, uh, the Atlantic Street Center and talk about how they're uplifting people and what programs they're offering. 
Okay, uh, so my name is Teresa Everett. Uh, I am a Texas native. Um, I moved to Seattle when I was a teenager. Um, got involved with nonprofit um, over 25 years ago. Um, I am, uh, I've worked with the Lannistry Center for 23 years. Uh, I, my title currently is uh, Public Relations and Resource Development Officer. Um, and so I am looking forward to sharing about Atlanta Street Center and all the work that they are doing. Well, go right ahead and do that. <laughs> so the mission of Atlanta Street Center is to help families and communities raise healthy, successful children and youth through direct service and, advocate and advocacy for social justice and equity. Sometimes that's a mouthful to say, so I kind of get tongue-tied. <laughs> you, you're doing well. Um, but we do this through four core program areas. Um, the core program areas are early learning, uh, youth development, and educational programs, uh, uh, gender-based violence, and behavioral health. And so for many years, Atlanta Street Center has kind of been trailblazing in, in some of these areas. And um, Ike Iketa, as uh, Mr. Rye uh, mentioned, was the first executive director of Atlanta Street Center. Uh, he was a Japanese-American citizen, but he saw the plight of African-Americans and the needs of African-Americans. And so around the time that he became the executive director in the 50s, 60s, um, Atlanta Street switched from serving Italian immigrants that had came into the area to serving African-Americans because the neighborhood had started to change and it was predominantly African-Americans. As like many Ron DeSantis' grandfather, huh? I'll say that again. I said, like Ron DeSantis' grandfather? Yes. That's, that's who they were helping. Okay, go ahead. But they were on the other side. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So over the years, um, we have done many programming. Uh, I mentioned our early learning program. So our Parent Child Plus program is, uh, we were the first to uh, pilot that program in uh Western Washington, and it's a nationally recognized program. That program has, helps children that are two and three-year-olds. Uh, it's a two-year program. Uh, get a head start. Um, the goal is to level the playing field for them by the time they enter into kindergarten so that they are kindergarten ready. We follow those kids through high school. And the first cohort of children that we've been tracking since they were two are uh, juniors and seniors in um, college now. So a lot of those children are now graduated high school and are now in college and pursuing their degrees in uh, uh, post-secondary uh, education. You know, you mentioned uh, Ike Ikeda and uh, my family, my father was a Pullman porter and mm -hmm. he was uh, appointed by A. Philip Randolph to be the Northwest, one of the Northwest organizers for the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. And uh, early on, when he come back to Louisiana, he talked about the relationships he had built with folks in the Japanese community. When he came up here, started coming here in 1948, it's just been a couple of years since uh, uh, the wrongly incarcerated Japanese Americans were interned in those uh, camps. But anyway, uh, we always had a good relationship. And I also want to say uh, the Japanese American Citizens League was in Selma in 1965. They was back there in 2015. So I just mm -hmm. want to give a shout out to my a Japanese American brothers and sisters, because you know, if you grew up in Seattle, you went to Meany and Garfield and the South End. So we had our turf and those relationships. I just had to mention that because I think it's significant to acknowledge folks who have been on the side of Black folks trying to help us get our freedom. Absolutely. Not a problem at all. 
um, Atlanta Street Center uh, in its 113 year history has had some significant executive directors, including Ike Aikida. Um, one also was David Okimoto. David Okimoto is another Japanese American mm -hmm. that uh, worked for Atlanta Street Center. And then we also had a very influential executive director. Her name is Edith Elion. Edith and she Elion. was with the Atlanta Street Center for 40 years, 41 if you count her internship as a, as a uh, MSW uh, student at the University of Washington. Yeah. They all went to the University of Washington and that's why I mentioned the three of them. Um, and they they were very impactful in uh, the progress of Atlanta Street Center over the years, over its 113 year history. Um, it's had heavy involvement by the United Methodist Church. The agency was founded by the United Methodist Church, but we don't proselytize, we don't teach religion, um, but we have a strong connection to the United Methodist Church um, and uh, other uh, black church groups in the area. So uh, that includes Damascus and uh, Mount Zion and other organizations over the years. So Atlanta Street Center has a strong connection to the uh, to the community, in particular the African American community. Now you have a big event coming up that we got to spend some time on. Uh, <laughs> tell tell our listening audience about uh, the Juneteenth event that we have coming up. So as I mentioned, um, I am a Texas native, um, and when I started working in nonprofit, um, I was learning a lot. Um, and oftentimes we start to learn our history as adults, but Juneteenth, I knew about, <laughs> I knew about Juneteenth and I, would ask, I knew about it too. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew about Juneteenth, uh, being a Texas native and, um, I would ask people, you know, is there a Juneteenth celebration? And Atlanta Street Center was serving primarily uh, Central and South Seattle. So we knew there was one going on in Central Seattle, but the people in South Seattle was asking, what is Juneteenth? Um, so a year after I came to Atlanta Street Center in 2001, we started the Juneteenth celebration. I'm happy that it's now a national holiday, but for 22 years, Atlanta Street Center has been celebrating Juneteenth. Um, our primary purpose, purpose for celebrating Juneteenth was that we wanted to educate people. We wanted people to know what Juneteenth was all about. Um, and, we, and we also wanted people to know in the African-American community about our history. And so that was the other reason why we celebrated Juneteenth. And then lastly, um, we wanted to support small businesses because they were struggling and they still are struggling. So we wanted to support small businesses and bring community together. So on June 17th, um, Saturday, June 17th, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., in partnership with the Rainier Beach uh, Community Center, Seattle Parks and Rec. We've been partnering with them for uh, most of the uh, years that we've been doing Juneteenth. We're going to have that celebration there. So that's on the corner of Rainier and Henderson. Um, so as I mentioned, I have been learning about my history, uh, the history of African-Americans. I have learned more in my adult life than I ever did before I became an adult. One of the reasons why I have learned so much in my adult life is because of people like Mr. Eddie Rye that took the time to inform us and tell us about uh, our history because we didn't know. I didn't know that Mr. Eddie Rye was very instrumental in starting the crusade to change Empire Way at the time to Martin Luther King Jr. Way. And I would guess that there's probably a whole lot of other people in the community that doesn't know that as well. So our inaugural event this year is going to be the Legend Award. And Mr. Eddie Rye is one of those people that is going to receive the award because they have they took on the torch to make sure that we stay relevant 
And they also made sure that people like me coming up behind them knew the history of our people. And that's important. I don't think that you can go forward until you have looked back at your past and realized where you come from. So we want to recognize some of these power players that have carried that torch for so long and still carrying the torch. So at our Juneteenth celebration this year, um, in addition to great entertainment, uh, a presentation on Black Wall Street, we're going to honor people like Mr. Eddie Rye, um, Larry Gossett, um, the uh, Dixon brothers, the Black Panthers that started the Black Panthers and started the breakfast program. And by the way, one of the breakfast programs location for the Black Panthers was Atlanta Street Center. So Atlanta Street Center has been out there for a very long time. And uh, we just want to celebrate these gentlemen that have been very instrumental in the success of the African-American community. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I certainly appreciate it. I feel honored. And I've been knowing uh, Edith, I guess, for all those years that she's been there from the time she was in school. So uh, my wife's family and uh, as Edith's family were close. They were in the same neighborhood. Yes. So, yes. well, I'll tell you what. You guys are doing something. One more time, it's going to be at the Rainier Beach Community Center. That's mm -hmm. 8825 Rainier Avenue South. Yes. Saturday, June 17th from 11 to 3 p.m. Okay. Yes. I want to thank uh, you very much, Ms. Teresa Everett. I'm sure glad I got your email address straight. <laughs> we, almost had, we almost had a catastrophe, but that those kind of things happen. But we made it all work out. And also, uh, we're going to take a break now. But thank you, guys, both of you, for your time today. You're welcome to stay on the program as long as you would like. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. And see, the songs of black folks, uh, music of resistance and hope will be happening on June 18th at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, Washington. And later on in the program, the artistic director and conductor, Ramon Brian Braxton, is going to be on. We have a couple of uh, interviews with uh, uh, James Conner and another artist. And also Josephine Howe is going to be one of the featured folks. Last year, it was uh, really, really something to, to see these folks, these musicians, it was a big 50-piece orchestra, a big choir, 
And uh, I thought I had the little flyer. I could rattle off the names of all the people. But uh, I think if you go to NBCF.org, uh, the information about the songs of Black folks is on there, too. So it's, it's selling tickets at the pay the bills. So, uh, uh, Teresa, I mean, uh, Tanisha, I want to go back to you one more time. Did uh, at, does, uh, the Federal Way Black Collective, are they having a, you mentioned they have a, a Juneteenth event as well? Yes. Our Juneteenth event will be Sunday, June 11th from 1 to 5 at the Town Square Park in Federal Way. Okay, so that, that one's like right away. So that that's on uh, the 11th. Okay, that's uh, Sunday? Mm -hmm. Sunday. Yeah. And then the 17th is a Saturday is uh, 11 to 3 at uh, Rainier Beach Community Center with Atlantic Street Center's Juneteenth celebration. Now, uh, from 11 to 3, uh, Miss Everett, what all can people, oh, you, you guys say me, she's on the line right now. So you listen in to hear this award-winning jazz artist, Eugenia Jones. She can sing, sing, sing. Uh, hey, how you guys doing? We have, we just want to let you know, uh, Tanisha Lyons, who's executive director of the uh, Federal Way Black Elective, is still on. She was on first. Teresa Everett is with Atlantic Street Center, and they're talking about their Juneteenth events. But now we're going to you because you got a big event coming up, too. But I'd like to have you, first of all, tell folks a little bit about your background and when did you find out you could sing? Huh. <laughs> you, I still how much can. time do I have? <laughs> um. So first of all, uh, thank you so much for having me and wonderful to be able to be on online talking about this upcoming event, uh, June 17th at Fountainhead Gallery. It was initially planned as a, as a performance with my quartet, but then the uh, Jazz Journalist Association made this award as a jazz hero for the uh, Washington State area. And uh, KNKX former uh, news reporter Robin Lloyd is going to be there to present the award. So it's going to double as a award ceremony as well as a uh, performance at the Fountainhead Gallery. The awards, who's getting the award, man? Oh, I am. Oh, boy, I mean, come on, don't be so modest. Come on now. Tell us about the award. So I didn't know what you already knew. I didn't want to bore you with details you already had. So this award is given out by the Jazz Journalists Association. They identify people across the country who they feel are providing altruistic services, promoting jazz and promoting community in their areas. And I've been involved as the executive producer um, in, in a number of activities. And foundationally, it's all about my organization, my 5013C Music for a Cause. And it was formulated to basically connect music, community, and legacy. So the events that I produce in Seattle, um, mostly the Central District area, are trying to highlight the legacy of jazz and other music of African-Americans from that community. And whatever event that I'm producing, it's highlighting that history. So that's the legacy part of it. The community part of it is that it's uniting various community organizations together to produce and make it possible. Our sponsors like uh, Vulcan Real Estate, um, Earshot Jazz, KNKX Radio, Uncle Ike's and a number of other sponsors, they make donations so that we can hire bands for the Jackson Street Jazz Walk, for instance. Last year we had 15 bands at eight different venues and we partner with Pratt 
community center to present this uh, jazz walk. People float around all up and down Jackson to attend various performances and they give donations and we route those donations to a nonprofit. Um, in the past, we've given donations to Central Area Senior Center for their senior meal delivery program, also for Northwest Harvest Food Bank and also for the Rotary Boys and Girls Club. So we are kind of working collectively trying to make entertainment, music, and legacy happen, but also serving the community through organizations that provide community services. So because of that, um, Jazz Journalist Association made me a, a jazz hero um, because of the work that I've been doing in that area for the past five years. Now, the, this event that's coming up on the 17th, can you give us some uh, our listeners more details about that event, how they can get information about it, how they can attend? Sure. Uh, you can find information and tickets, et cetera, online at uh, eugeniejones.com. And um, the performance is going to be from 5 to 6.30, I believe it is. But please visit my website for more details. Um, you can also visit my website to get access to my music and listen to my music. Um, I've been singing jazz. My first paid gig was 2011. And uh, since that time, um, I've grown a lot in the industry and I love what I'm doing. Uh, my last CD in 2022 made it to number seven on Jazz Week's top 50, and that's internationally ranked. And also Jazz Week honored me by making my album one of the top 100 albums in 2022. It ranked at number 30. And I'm primarily a singer songwriter. I stay true to the legacy of jazz and the feel of jazz, but I write original storylines. Like one of the songs I wrote is called A Brother. And it's like a sage woman singing to a younger man talking about stay true, stay strong. Um, they won't, the gatekeepers won't let you in downtown, but the black and tan is where you can always be. So it's always, I'm always trying to tie in my connection mm -hmm. to my community, my legacy with music, as well as my experiences as an African-American woman. Well, you know, back in the day, uh, we were restricted to Jackson Street. But the good thing about it is that the Chinese restaurant owners uh, would hire black bands to play. And that usually ended up attracting people from all different races. So that right. we had the 410 Supper Club, but I-5 took care of that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so and that's what that that's what that song was all about. A Brother is talking, uh, talking about giving a nod to Ernestine Anderson, Ray Charles, and Quincy Jones, and so many others who... Uh, made a path for us to follow behind. And uh, it's people tend to forget that. And that's the part of the reason why the Jackson Street Jazz Walk is so important because we're not just entertaining, we're educating and reaching out to the community about this legacy. When is the Jackson Street Jazz Walk gonna be? That is going to happen on in September, the 8th and the 9th of September. And they can go online, just go to jacksonstreetjazz.org. And right now we're accepting artist submissions. So people who are interested in performing, they can submit an application for their band. And it's also on Facebook, like us on Facebook so you can keep up with the details and what's going on. And I'll shoot you information from time to time too, Mr. Rice, so that you can share it with your listeners. I certainly will, because you say the 8th and 9th, there's a regional NAACP meeting in Seattle on the area conference president, Gerald uh, Hankerson, uh, advised me that they'll be meeting in Seattle on the 8th and 9th. So now they can have something to put on their calendar. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we go, I'd like to have you uh, let our listeners know the names of some of your CDs so that they can get busy doing some purchasing like I'm going to do. Yes, absolutely. So my last project is titled Players. And 
I had this vision one morning when you kind of kind of awake, but not quite there that I was trying to figure out what should I do next for my next project. And it came to me that I should try to record in each region of the United States with a different set of artists. And when I was fully awake and my feet hit the ground, I just thought, are you crazy? Do you have any idea how much time that's going to take, how much money that's going to take? But I'm pretty much like a dog with a bone and that has that personality trait has sustained me in an industry that is very difficult for anybody, let alone a vocalist and let alone an African-American woman. Um, but I went after it. After three, four years, I made it happen. I released it. I had people like Reggie Workman, NEA Jazz Master on there, Bernard Purdy, a legendary drummer, um, Bobby Sanabria, Lonnie Plaxico, and also musicians here locally as well. And it's available online anywhere you download music from YouTube to Amazon to iTunes to Spotify. Just look up Eugenie Jones and look up Players and you'll find a double disc of 15 songs. Ten of them are originals and five of them are jazz covers. Well, Miss Eugenie Jones, thank you very much for your time today and continued success to you. And I will download that music. So thank you very much. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you, ladies. Okay. And Anthony, my, sorry I'm my not next meeting guest, you. <laughs> all right. My next guest is a real Anthony Davis. He is a uh, with the City of Seattle Department of Human Resources. He's a uh, uh, what is your title, sir? Out of office? Oh, <laughs> out of class. <laughs> out of class, yes. There you go. Uh, not to be confused with my character. Uh, out of class, I am a strategic advisor. Basically, the official title is a workforce equity advisor. Um, just a strategic advisor to the director of the workforce equity department or division of Seattle HR. So why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about uh, what uh, your daily duties and, entail and how can uh, folks get in the workforce through your program or your efforts? Um, specifically through uh, this division, we don't have a, a push at the moment at recruiting. There is a, a separate department of HR. Um, the the push that I would, that I would say um, is to stay tuned in to that website. You know, it's one of those things where the institution is difficult to get inside of. Um, but once you're able to get inside, you know, maneuverability uh, becomes your own your own tool. Um, I've, I'm in like my fifth position in with the city. Um, and sometimes people, uh, they fail to want to throw their name in the hat uh, because they see a long list or a long description or things that they may have requirements of. One of the things that this department did work on was you know, eliminating those requirements, those extraneous uh, requirements for, you know, a master's degree for a job where you're driving a truck. That's that doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, you have yeah. to make it so that the people who can do the job can actually qualify for the job. Uh, and that that's at least one of the things. Uh, one of the other things that we were working on is trying to um, make it a, the process of hiring was more equitable by leading it into a blind resume pool kind of a thing where you know where names can't trip you up or if people are you know have biases towards surnames or the sound of surnames that they wouldn't have the ability to determine that um, and that's something that's an ongoing process at the city uh, through many departments that are trying to work through that um so would they have something like uh candidate one through 99 without having any names and just look at right, let's say let's say the, on that for instance they have their um, names on there Let's say there was a candidate pool of 10 people, right? You know, you'd get one and one would be their description of their experience, 
um, and job history, possibly, but without without a name. That's that's one of the goals. That way, you know, they don't have any any ability to try and use any either implicit or explicit bias against who it is that they're that's interviewing or hiring. Uh, give our listeners some kind of idea of uh, uh, what your job encompasses. Or you have face to face contact now that the pandemic's over. Uh, how do you implement uh, your position? You say it's uh, out of class, so that means that you're in the field. No, out of class just means that I'm working outside of my specification. I'm actually an, a technician. I come from IT, so my day job or normal job is I support SPD and Seattle Fire uh, as a technician. Um, but uh, I think the reasoning that you have me here is based on this. Uh, so I am the lead planner for the city's Juneteenth event, um, not to be in competition with anything that's going on in community. Um, this would be our second year. Um, and what we were attempting to do uh, initially was have something to commemorate the fact that local government was acknowledging and observing the holiday. Uh, last year. We partnered with King County last year. This year, uh, we're going into it alone. Um, it's a standpoint where I am not a manager. I am just an individual contributor. Um, I've worked with some other folks in other departments, whether it be, you know, affinity groups uh, or it be, you know, someone focusing on equity within the city or just people who I know, uh, people of color, black people. Um, and that we shirt again? Say that again? Would you flash that, that shirt again? Oh, yeah. The city of Seattle, Juneteenth. You got the city on there and, and a, a, a Nike swoosh too. So yeah. are they available to the public or are they just for the city employees? They are available to the public. Um, I did not mark them up, so it's not a fundraiser. What you're paying is cost. And <laughs> so <laughs> let's just keep that clear. Um, and I can provide you with the information and the link for that. Okay. Um, we'll be at Seward Park on the 19th from 11 to 6. Uh, I've got live music, DJs, food vendors. I have some other small businesses coming through to sell their wares, um, and some city departments will be there to have some, you know, public engagement. Well, I, I, man, I, I think that I think that's great. So that'll be it. So that'll be actually on the nineteenth. On the nineteenth, yeah, we okay. we landed right on the day this year. Okay. Um, well, you know, we started with zero budget. None of the departments were initially, you know, funding this. This is something we had to go out and get. Um, you know, even up to the mayor's office, we had to go out and get it. So. Well, that's great. I, I, well, when I get to my next guest, he'll be wanting uh, the same commitment on that Sunday night uh, before the Juneteenth celebration for Songs of Black Folks. Songs of Black Folks, we'll be, yes. at the, we'll to be at the Paramount, so we want to make sure that we have our city employees there, because last year they were very supportive. I think just about every city department was a co-sponsor, so uh, it would be good to to have uh, a group down uh, for that deal on so uh, in terms of information about your department and what you're doing, what would you advise someone uh, right now that's looking for a position with the city of Seattle and say just any kind of position? What would you recommend they do? I would recommend going through the website initially. Uh, you, you'll have far more reach than you would face to face. You know, being from the fact that I'm a tech and I do speak tech talk, I would say hit the website, hit it hard, hit it frequently. Go through, look at them all, anything pique your interest, throw your hat in the ring, you know, go for it. Um, and then the best thing you can do is just to continue to do that. Um, I would love to say that I had another mechanism or, or another tool or a trick to the trade, but that's exactly what I did. And that's exactly how I got in. It took me two years to find a spot where I was accepted 
Uh, I got in there and did what I needed to do. Um, so, you know, even even with, you know, I, I had a mother at the city at the time, so there was no nepotism there. I had to make my own way. So, you know, that's that would be my advice at the moment. Uh, there are other job fairs and things like that that will be publicized through that site. Mm -hmm. um, but that will give you access to all of the city departments at once. Okay. So and Bob Flowers is your uncle? Yes. Yeah, yes. that gives you all the access in the world right there, brother. <laughs> Is a leading citizen in this city and county and state. So uh, the real Anthony Davis, uh, we're yes. gonna give, you will give your event a shout out uh, next uh, next Thursday, and hopefully we'll be able to get the mayor on to talk for a minute or two. I know you can arrange that. So we'll see. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. We're gonna take no a problem. Break. Thank you. Coming back with the artistic director and conductor of songs of Black folk, music of resistance and hope. But before we take this break, I want to give a shout out to the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Joseph Regan. And I'm going to be talking to Emily Ho about doing something for their Juneteenth event. Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, owned by brothers Jerry Whitsett and Rod O'Neill, two veterans of Iraq. Uh, the, also, I want to check out the Medium newspaper. They have a story about the lady that was killed, the mother that was shot through the door. And they also have another story about Representative Cory Bush out of Missouri, who wants $14 trillion for reparations. So uh, just want y'all to say that uh, you heard it here. So Eric, we're gonna take this break and come right back with the artistic director and conductor, Ramon Brian Braxton. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for sound transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. Don't let that herd mentality lead you off a cliff. We support thinking for yourself on Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest. I want to let the people know that uh, on uh, June 11th from 12 to 4.30 at the Rainier Vista Boys and Girls Club will be a Juneteenth special. Uh, my friend uh, Doc, uh, uh, Delbert will be uh, in charge there. And also I want you to know that the Central District Community Development and Preservation Authority We'll have a public meeting on Saturday, June 10th from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. They will be interviewing publicly three candidates for uh, the CEO's position, and that will be uh, James Bush, Janice Davis, and Sade Moore. 
folks know Sade Moore from the Martin Luther King uh, Organizing Coalition. So uh, my next guest, as I mentioned, was artistic director and conductor Ramon Braxton, who is going to now talk about uh, uh, the event that's coming up on the 18th at the Paramount Theater, Songs of Black Folks, Music of Resistance and Hope. And uh, we also have those, uh, uh, Kevin Meeks was able to get us over those clips. Okay. They're, they're not very long. You want right. to see those first before we get started? Sure, absolutely. Eric, can we play those clips, please? Rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on. Oh, hi. <laughs> What's up, everybody? My name is James Connor. I'm so excited to be coming back to the Pacific Northwest to celebrate Juneteenth. I will be there on June 18th for the Songs of Black Folk. Hope you got your tickets already. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. This promises to be a musical journey you don't want to miss. See you on June 18th for the Songs of Black Folks. Hello everyone, Mike Burrell here. I'm taking time out of my schedule just to let you guys know I will be joining you at the Songs of Black Folk this month on the 18th at seven o'clock. It's gonna be a great time. I hope you get your tickets. I look forward to seeing you guys there. God bless. Black music is black therapy. It's the soundtrack of our existence. If you retain nothing but the lyrics of our songs, you could piece together our history in this country. Sunday night, June 18th, 7 p.m. at the Paramount Theater, Songs of Black Folk. The last voice here was that of uh, Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton, the pastor of uh, New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. Sure. And we have, I mentioned earlier, our artistic director and the pastor in the gang, they're out of town right now, right? Yes, sir. He's over at the Hampton, Conf Hampton Ministers Conference in uh, Virginia. Oh, that's great. Right, yeah. Clarence Williams said that, that some of the music musicians got to go, but you had to stay here. Yeah, he took some of the young people there, you know, give them a... I was, I, I've been many, many times, so I was in the first three church music academies, so he took some of the young people who serve at the church, Chandler and Talia and Janae, so took them so they can learn a little more about music as ministry, so yeah, I'm holding down the ship while they're away. <laughs> well, you do a good job of doing that, being the artistic director and the conductor. So you want to talk about, uh, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about what happened last year at McCall Hall, and then let's transition to what people can expect uh, on Sunday, June 18th at the Paramount uh, in 2023. Sure. So last year, you know, we put together in all of, what, five, six weeks time, this uh, kind of an elegant night of Black music making to celebrate the, you know, the commemoration or rather of uh, the first Juneteenth as a state and federal holiday. So I guess, you know, it, the success of it kind of lended itself to, you know, we black folks, we do something once, we, it goes well, you know, we want to make it an annual tradition. So, you know, we're trying to establish a legacy here culturally in the city um, by doing something new, offering something um, that I know culture here is hungry for, particularly amongst black folks musically. Um, so we're basically taking the music of Black America and uh, just wrapping it in a symphonic kind of context, if you will. So it's our music, um, but wrapped in Western European kind of language, if you will, musically. The sonic experience will be something different than, you know, we're probably used to. Um, even though classical music, symphonic music is all around us, um, subconsciously, we see it on TV all the time, on you know, ads, but being immersed into the atmosphere, I think it affords, uh, you know, the Seattle, the greater Seattle community, 
not only a wonderful night of you know black excellence artistically, just uh, elegance and just a grand way to celebrate our independence uh, and the Juneteenth holiday, also Black Music Month in general. Yeah. Who are some of the uh, artists that will be performing? On so we just saw videos there. We had James Conner. So we, I try to not only expose the Northwest to some of the you know very gifted talent from around the country, but also feature some of our local homegrown artists. So that's why we have James Conner, tenor, uh, native of Seattle, uh, lives in L.A., uh, coming back again. He sang last year and did a Sam Cooke tribute. So uh, they asked me to bring him back. So we're bringing him back again. And then also the other guy who spoke is Mike Burrell. Um, he's well known in the music community, musically, uh, as a as an organist, as a keyboardist. So he's, you know, he's, he's one of the best out there. So I'm glad to have him on, on, on board this year to join the team. Uh, he also lives in L.A. We also have Solomon Howard, one of my close friends, who's uh, yeah. at the top of his game now in the opera world. I mean, he's an A-list, you know, opera star all over the world. But uh, he's gonna put this on his books every year as well, because that's probably my close, one of my closest friends in the world. So you know, I think he kind of made the show his own last year in a way. So I don't think we can do it without him now. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he's outstanding. Yeah, but, uh, absolutely. You know, uh, Sunday at church, you were playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, oh, you I, were there. I didn't know you were there. I didn't even know you were out there. And, 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 and you know, I was thinking, I said, you know, that would be an excellent for him to play. He's gonna be the artistic director, the conductor. But if you could have played that at the beginning or the end, mm -hmm. I, that would be that would be a, a bomb. I think that would be it. But no, that was, I was oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be playing a couple pieces on the program for the most part. You'll see me up, you know, waving my arms around, but there'll be a couple occasions where I sit at the piano. <clears throat> And who are some of the other artists? I know last year we had Bridget Brazils. I think she, you yeah, Bridget Brazils here last year. This year we have a notes. different. Do have a different soprano this year? This year her name is uh, Jacqueline Eccles, a native of Detroit, I believe. Um, so she'll be coming in, also singing a uh, new arrangement. We'll premiere of uh, "What a Wonderful World" by Evelyn Simpson Carrington, one of the most prominent, prolific African American women composers in the country. Um, she's writing right now as we speak, trying to finish that up. Also, she'll be doing another arrangement that I I wrote of a Negro spiritual. Hold on, uh, keep your hand on the plow and hold on. Mm -hmm. So the music is diverse, so we'll span the gap from. Traditional Negro spirituals to earth, wind, and fire, <laughs> to contemporary gospel music, uh, jazz standards, blues, this little Caribbean flares, a little bit of uh, all of our experience. You know, I can't get everything in, but I'm trying to get a pretty broad palette of the Black American music experience. If there's anything like last year, it'll be outstanding once again. Uh, the artist, uh, everything was very timely. It was just, it was just great. Um, in terms of uh, local artists, I noticed that we have Josephine Howell will be participating. We got Josephine Howell coming. She's going to sing uh, a piece most people will not be familiar with uh, from the movie Tap, Sammy Davis Jr.'s last movie. We're we're trying to feature Tap as an art form, hoofing. Now, I don't mean just any tap. I'm talking about Harlem hoofing. You know, I've been a resident of Harlem the last four years, so I'm really immersed in Harlem culture. And I've just always been fascinated with uh, the tradition of Harlem hoofing. So we're trying to folk be that one of our artistic focal points this year. Uh, so she's going to sing a piece from that movie uh, called Free. Also ties in with our theme about uh, liberty and independence, um, not only of, you know, 
body, but also of mind and spirit as well. So yeah, we'll have Josephine Howell and also another homegrown artist, Crystal Aiken, will be with us. So she'll be singing uh, not only traditional gospel music, but she's also going to do a Tina Turner tribute that I decided to throw in at the very last minute. So she's working on that right now, trying to get that under her belt. <laughs> Yeah, but I, could, I don't think I couldn't I couldn't put this on without honoring you know the life of Tina Turner. So we're gonna yeah. try to try to make that happen. Yeah, I think that's great. A very fitting tribute because she was an outstanding performer, the queen of rock and roll. Absolutely. And Aretha was a queen of soul. Queen of soul. That's it. That's it. But once again, how can people get their tickets, sir, to this so fantastic did. event? Absolutely. People can go to www.songsofblackfolk.org. Uh, or Ticketmaster or to the Paramount Theater uh, and yeah, get your tickets, come invite the community. Uh, I'm trying to see if we can get an open rehearsal so younger people can come. I know school is going to be out next week, but one of the main things I want this to be is transformational and have an impact in the community. And I think that happens by inspiring our young people who really don't get to see Black music in this, in this vein on this type of stage so if i can get an open rehearsal and you know we allow young people to come in you know i think that would be a huge benefit to the community so okay well you'll be back on again next week sir. yes sir yes sir all and, right uh, we'll have somebody else on so i want to thank okay. you very much for the day and i'll see you next week all, all right. right sunday appreciate okay. it all right see you okay, now. okay right, thank, thank you mr Ryan. brian braxton we appreciate that right. once again i want to let people know that on Saturday uh, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority will have a public meeting to interview publicly three candidates for the CEO position, and that's uh, James Bush, Janice Davis, and Sade Moore. And also, I mentioned earlier about the June 11, 2023, 12 p.m. to 4.30 p.m., uh, blah, Juneteenth Family Reunion that will feature Delbert Richardson's uh, a museum traveling a museum and then also i want you to remember that uh, uh urban forum northwest is brought to you by the city of seattle's person construction services department the port of seattle's diversity contracting office SeaTac bar group llc and you get a chance to get the medium and the facts to get all the information i told you about and uh so eric that just about does it for me and i thank you for your help thank you tanisha thank you Teresa. thank you anthony davis and uh, thank you, Ramon Bryant, and thank you, Eugenia. So you guys make sure you get our music. She said to be downloaded. So we'll see you. Talk to you again next week.